Those of you like I am that uh, you get aggravated with uh, not being able to find anything on the regular uh, channels uh, on television, you might start going to, probably if you already have been doing this, looking at other things on A&E and History Channel. had a great series on Sons of Liberty. I think it started last Sunday night, Monday and Tuesday night uh, on um, History Channel about the Sons of Liberty and about our founding as a country and all that great stuff. Well, I read a story about a, a six-year-old boy named Trevor who watched a very interesting um, and compelling uh, series on the animal planet, uh, on Animal Channel, uh, about bears. And um, then he had a bad dream that night about it. And his mother woke him up, and so he said, Mommy said, I had a bad dream. I was being chased through the woods by a big, mean bear. And then he posed this question to his mother, and he said, Was I the predator or was I the prey? And she said, you were, the, you were the prey, honey. And he says, that's right, because there would be a lot of people praying for me, wouldn't there? <laughs> well, in the last month, as we've been talking about this 100 days of dialogue and prayer, and starting forming our triplets, and we've got over 200 and some people involved uh, in these through the life of our church. I'm so grateful for that. We've been talking a lot about prayer and getting a lot of people to pray. And uh, with the sermon series going along with that, I'm hoping... Uh, to inspire you and encourage you uh, to have a better prayer life, a more consistent prayer life, uh, a more meaningful prayer life, a deeper prayer life. And one of the ways that I've done this is to introduce us to some of these great prayers uh, that we find by the Apostle Paul. We looked at two uh, that he gave for the believers in Ephesus and then one that he wrote for the believers in Thessalonica and uh, where he prayed specifically for them some, some things that we were able to bring into uh, our thoughts about praying for these hundred days in the life of our church. And today I want us to look at his letter to the Colossians and uh, uh, the prayer that he has for them and the effect that he wanted it to have uh, in their life. And uh, one of the reasons I think that we uh, always need to be challenged about our prayer life is because uh, Prayer, prayer can do so many things for us in our life. Uh, it, can be, it can be such a, such a powerful influence in our life to bring us literally into the presence of God. In fact, E.M. Bounds, who was known to be a great prayer and wrote so many things about prayer, said many years ago, the secret of success in Christ's kingdom is the ability to pray. And so for that reason, we need to focus upon prayer. We need uh, to have a, a more consistent, a deeper prayer life. And so I'm offering these up to you, hopefully to help you in that walk. And so today I want us to look at uh, Paul's prayer for these Colossian believers. I want you to look with me uh, in your Bibles or Pew Bible or on the screen, uh, Colossians 1 beginning in verse 9 and going through verse 14. And this is what Paul uh, says in his prayer. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every good work, growing, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, this prayer that Paul writes, like a couple of the others that we looked at, is one long run-on sentence with all kinds of phrases piled one right after the other. Now, I think the reason for that is that Paul was just so filled with all of this that he was praying for these believers that he wanted to make sure he got it all out and he didn't forget anything. I think uh, in most translations, it's all all encompassed into uh, three verses, three sentences, three verses perhaps. And... um, uh, it, it can be read, I think, in probably um, less, than, less than a minute if you want to read it out loud. And you might get lost in reading all of that. But uh, the, basically, the way that this prayer uh, is outlined is very simple. First of all, Paul makes one request. Then he has one purpose that he hopes to see. And then there are four characteristics or four results that will come as a result of this prayer uh, that he is uh, intending for these people. So with that in mind, then let's look first of all at Paul's request that he makes in this prayer. We find that in verse 9. And Paul says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And this is what his request is. Asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Basically, that's the request that Paul is making, that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That is the heart and soul of this prayer, that he wanted them to know the will of God and to be able to apply that to their life and to follow that. Now, we know that it's very important to know the will of God. And we we tend to pray about it, talk about it, and seek it when we have some of these major decisions that we need to make in our life. Like, okay, is this the right person for me? Is it time to get married? I'm graduating from high school. I'm going to be uh, looking at college. What college do I choose? Uh, We're married now. We've been married a couple of years. Uh, Is it time for us to perhaps uh, ask God to bless us with a child? Yeah, I feel like I'm stuck in a rut in this job. Is it time for me to look uh, for another job somewhere else? Or maybe you're faced with a challenging situation that you don't have your job here is gone, and you take another job, you have to go out of state somewhere and uproot your family. You have to deal with that. God, is that your will? What is it? Then it gets into some other interesting areas too. Like, God, is it your will that you're calling me into ministry? Is it your will that I go on the mission field? Do you want me to answer this call? So all of those things are important, and they're very significant. But I think Paul has something in mind that perhaps is bigger and deeper and broader than just, um, just what, what we're asking God to give us direction on in some big decisions of life. I think when you're trying to discern God's will, I think we ask that question more times than not like this. Uh, God, what is your will for my life? I think that Paul would say to us, that's not the right way to pray that. What you should pray is simply to ask, God, what is your will, period. God, what is your will? And I think for us to come to understand that, I think we need to understand to to really simplify that concept of God's will is just to look at two components of it, two aspects of God's will. First of all, there's what we would call the general will of God that relates to everybody. And then there's that specific will of God. See, the general will of God is revealed in the Bible in many different ways of what everybody ought to be doing. Let me give you an example of that, how it applies to everybody. 
In 2 Peter 3, 9, now Peter writes and says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all may come to repentance. And so if you're ever confronted with this question or your thought that says, does God want everybody to be saved? Well, the answer is obviously yes, because His Word reveals that His will is that He wants none to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He wants everyone to come into repentance. And that means that that, it cannot mean that there's anyone incapable of making a decision for Christ and coming to know Him. Some theologies out there are proponents of that, and I'm not. Now, there are many other places that the Bible speaks generally about things that all of us ought to do. We ought to pray without ceasing. Um, we should serve the Lord with joy. We should, uh, we should give of our, our tithes and our offerings joyfully and willingly unto the Lord. We should be willing to share our faith in Jesus Christ. We should practice hospitality. All of those things are the general will of God. And when you're faced with those situations, you can pray and say, God, is this what you want me to do? And basically what you're saying is, God, do you want me to be obedient to your word? And then we get into what we would call then the specific will of God. And that's where God speaks to individuals about a specific situation uh, that's going to be different perhaps than from somebody else's specific situation. And that's where we need, need then that discernment to know what God is saying to us and how God is speaking to us and what it is that God wants us to do. And you've got to be able to discern God's general will before you can be able to determine that God is speaking to you and guiding you into about a specific will for your life. Now, it's so important that we know and do the will of God. Martin Luther King said this. He said, the end of life uh, is not to achieve pleasure and avoid pain. The end of life is to do the will of God, come what may. Now, that I think is what Paul is praying. And the key word as we look at it in his request is, that God would fill our minds with the wisdom and knowledge of His will. To fill us. That word literally means overflowing. To be engulfed or to be overwhelmed by that. And if you are filled with the knowledge of God's will, then it, I think, follows from that. That you would be willing to do what God's will is for your life and what it is that He wants you to do. One of the biggest problems I think we have with that is that we fill our life with a whole lot of other things and we aren't able to discern what God's will is when He speaks to us about these things. I mean, there are things that are not necessarily bad. We all have hobbies and we have passions in life. We have interest in life. We have families. We have jobs. We have all of those things that take a lot of time. But then again, we are bad about filling our life with other things that are meaningless, and insignificant. Now, besides today being a Sunday in which we come to worship God, what else is significant to note about today? It's the Super Bowl Sunday, right? Super Bowl Sunday. How many of you know who are playing in the Super Bowl when they kick off about 6.30 today? All right. Patriots are playing the Seahawks. Okay. Now, I just read, found some facts about the Super Bowl. I remember watching the first one and several of the first ones. You know, it wasn't always called the Super Bowl. It was just the AFL-NFL championship game. And it wasn't called the Super Bowl until the fourth year in its existence. It didn't get Roman numerals attached to it until the fifth year of the Super Bowl. Do you know how much a 30-second commercial on the Super Bowl costs today? $4 million at least. 
The winning team, every member on the winning team gets a $92,000 bonus. Those on the losing team get a $46,000 bonus. I think the first Super Bowl was played in what? Los Angeles Coliseum? They didn't come near filling it. Today, the cheapest seats you can get go for $5,000. Isn't that amazing? They all play for the Lombardi Trophy, which is 21 inches tall, weighs 7 pounds, and is worth $25,000. Now, what's that got to do about the fact that we fill ourselves with so many wrong things? Well, today is one of the worst days for snacking and eating things that are not healthy. Let me give you some facts about that. This is the second largest grilling weekend. The first being July 4th. It's estimated there'll be 14 billion hamburgers cooked this afternoon. And it's estimated that during the football game at the stadium, there'll be 5,000 pounds of hot dogs sold during the year. And while you're watching this and ordering pizza, I want you to realize Domino's pizza drivers will travel 4 million miles tonight delivering pizzas. Isn't that absolutely amazing? Now, here's the bad news for you. The average Super Bowl watcher will consume 1,200 calories in snacks. It's estimated that $50 million worth of food will be bought and eaten during this game. 33 million pounds of sweets, 4 million pounds of pretzels, 2.5 million pounds of nuts, 4,000 tons of popcorn. It takes a lot of popcorn to make up a ton, doesn't it? Uh, 11 million pounds of chips. And one of your favorites, 1.23 billion wings. That's a lot of dead chicken, right? And 48 million people will order takeout food tonight. Now, those are things that we will fill ourselves with. But the biggest question about the football game tonight, the Super Bowl, is will the footballs be full of air? (laughs) Now, this, this is a genuine Super Bowl football. Uh, it's got Roger Goodell's name on it, commissioner. It's, got, it's made by Wilson, and it's got the Duke on it. If you go online and find a, a Super Bowl football for today, it'll have the Duke written on it there. This is the one uh, from 40, what is that, 43, uh, Super Bowl 43. It was in Tampa Bay, fam- February 1st, 2009. That's the big issue we've got to look for. You know what I think? Rick and I have discovered it's easier to throw and catch an inflated ball than a deflated ball. All right, but we fill ourselves with a lot of things. Some of you are going to think about that tonight, and you're going to moan and regret it in the morning. But here's an interesting way then to apply this to our life. When we pray and we say, your will be done, we have to understand that what we're really praying is this. Lord, if you really mean it, Lord, let your will be done in me, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, wherever it leads. Lord, let your will be done, even if it means that my will is not done. Lord, let your plans go forward, even if it means changing my plans. You see, Paul prayed so earnestly that God would fill these believers with the knowledge of his will because he knows that we always fight this battle. God has a will for your life. You have a will for your life. And if you really want to know and do God's will, then you have to pray, your will will be done, God, 
And that means that you take precedence over my will. And if you're really serious about really wanting to know God's will for your life and surrender to that, then we got some screens, uh, questions on the screen, I think, that are very penetrating for you. Let's get first to know. Do I want to know God's will so I can consider it? Or do I want to know God's will so I can do it? Second one, am I willing to be engulfed, that is totally consumed, with God's will, or do I simply want help in making a hard decision? And the third one, have I agreed with God in advance that I will do his will even before it is revealed to me? Then the next one, will I take the daily small steps that are before me while waiting for the big steps to be revealed? And then the next one, do I understand that the will of God is more about who I am on the inside than where I am on the outside? And then the last one is this, am I ready for my life to change if that's what needs to happen? That is the heart and soul of this prayer that Paul prayed for these Colossian believers. It was that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. I think it's a prayer that God would want prayed for us as well. That's why we're asking these hundred days of dialogue and prayer. Include times of praying about God's direction for the life of our church. And what is his vision for us? And how are we to go about reaching this community and do a better job of it? And how does each one of us fit into God's will and plan and purpose for the life of this church? And all the things that go along with that. So I think it's going to be interesting to see over these hundred days of dialogue and prayer what God will say to us. And that's why we're asking you to get together in triplets to do that. Is so that you have that information you can share and dialogue together because it's going to be interesting to see how God speaks to each one of you if you pray earnestly about this situation. So that, that's basically Paul's request, that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will. Now then, there is the purpose behind Paul's prayer. And what is that? Well, it's found in verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Now, what does Paul mean when he says, live a life worthy of the Lord? The word worthy literally means wait. And so what Paul is saying is, is that he would pray that all of these believers, and I think it would be the same thing true for us today, that all of us would have a life that is weighty. And that, that means that it would have character and significance and influence. And if you want a great example about that, look at the life of Jesus Christ. Everywhere he went, everybody he touched, everything he did left an influence behind. Everywhere he went, it was changed. People were changed. The situations were changed. They were never the same because Jesus had been there. And if we live a life that is pleasing to the Lord in every way, then we're going to be people of character. We're going to be people of influence. We're going to be people of significance that our lives will make a difference in this world. In this culture, in this community where we are. Now, imagine what would happen if you prayed this prayer on a regular basis for, say, your children. That their lives would have influence and significance. 
What if you prayed it on a regular basis for your spouse? What if uh, as a deacon, and I'm pleased to let you as a congregation know that we have 100% participation in our 30 deacons signed up to be a part of prayer triplets. But deacons, what if you prayed this for every member of the Sunday school class you were assigned to? That they would live a life worthy of the praise of God. Weighty. A life of character. A life of influence. You're a member of a Sunday school class. What if you prayed that for every member in your class? What if you prayed that on a regular basis for your teacher? What if you prayed that on a regular basis for our church and for your church staff? You know what I think would happen? I think we would be different people. And I think we would make a difference significantly for the kingdom of God in the community where we live, where we recreate, where we shop, where we do all those things that are so important to us. That's Paul's purpose. His request, we be filled with the knowledge of God. His purpose is so that we will live to the glory of God and live a life that's worthy in the eyes of God. Now, then we come down to the last part of this prayer. And this is the results from Paul's prayer. There are four things that Paul says in very different phrases here that he says should be the result then when we know uh, the knowledge of the will of God in our life. The first is that we should be bearing fruit in every good work. That's found in verse 10. Uh, The idea of bearing fruit is not new to us. As believers in Christ, as members of the kingdom of God, we are to be fruit bearers in this world. Well, what does it mean to bear fruit? Well, it can be uh, winning people to Christ. Uh, It could be uh, having a successful a Sunday school class, teaching a Sunday school class and doing a great job with it. It could mean being a deacon and doing a good job and relating to people and seeing fruit come from them as you minister to them and care for them and build them up. It could be as simple as just simply inviting somebody to come to Spring Valley Baptist Church. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Phil Brandon had a shoulder surgery, a major one here with a rotator cuff. Some of you have had that and you know it's not the easiest thing in the world and he's still recuperating from that. But Phil has always been challenging us ever since he got here uh, to invite people, be an inviting group of people. And he's given us many different times these invite cards that say, come to Spring Valley Baptist Church, an invite card. Well, the morning he was having his surgery, uh, I go down to Providence Orthopedic Hospital. It's not Northeast anymore. It's Providence Orthopedic Hospital. That's all they do is orthopedic surgery. And so I go to the desk knowing that he would have checked in there. And I said, I'm looking for Mr. Phil Brown. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's here. Yeah, let, me, let me see where I can find him. So she called back. And so he's still in the hole in there. They, they uh, haven't taken him back yet. So I said, good. And she moved a piece of paper. And guess what I saw on her desk? There was a Spring Valley Baptist invite card. And I said, I know he's here because he left you a card, didn't he? She said, oh, yes. He gave me that card. He invited me to come to Spring Valley Baptist. And as we were walking back there, I said, well, are you going to take him up on that offer? And she said, well, I go to church every Sunday. I go to church up in Fairfield County. I said, you do it regularly every Sunday? She said, oh, yes. She said, I'm the secretary of the church, so I'm there all the time. I said, okay. So I get back there, and Cheryl's back there with Phil, and they've already started doping him up. And I looked up there, and Dr. Holmes was going to be doing the surgery. I said, oh, you got Hatchet Holmes going to be working on your shoulder. <laughs> but, that, you know, we don't ask you to do things that we don't do as well. But there it was on the morning of his surgery, Phil was giving out an invite card. Most of us be worried to death about the surgery, you know. So, we want to bear fruit. How do we bear fruit? John 15, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, 
so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay? Second thing Paul desires to see as an outcome of this prayer is that they would grow in the knowledge of God. And that's in verse 10. Now, growing in the knowledge of God is not the same as seeking to learn uh, how to get more from God. A lot of times that's what we think it is for and that's what we use it for. Here's an analogy. If the only time you ever heard from your children was when they needed something from you, you wouldn't look forward to hearing from them, would you? And that's the way we treat God too many times. The second observation is that growing in the knowledge of God is not the same as growing in the knowledge about God. You know, you can, you can find so many uh, Bible studies and wonderful teachings about God that you could spend the rest of your life just learning more and more and more and mastering information about him. Uh, Friday was the 30th day of January. And I really reached a point where I said, I'm not real pleased with what I've chosen to use, the material, in my quiet time in the morning, in my devotion time. So in part of my errands and things that I was doing Friday, I went to Lifeway and I just started looking through there. There is an amazing amount of good Christian material out there from Bible studies and video series and notebooks and workbooks and all of those things. You could study every one of those things if you had the time. And that's not what Paul is talking about. What Paul is talking about is the knowledge of God is to where you build and maintain and grow an intimate relationship with God. That's what he's talking about would happen. And I believe if we prayed earnestly about that and took that seriously and we prayed to be filled with the, with the knowledge of the will of God, that we would want to do the same thing, develop that relationship intimately with God. And then thirdly, Paul tells the Colossians that a life that pleases God is one that is being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And he goes on to say then, so that we might have great endurance and patience. The word for endurance there simply means to remain under. It means you have the strength to endure what's going on. What was going on with the Colossians? There was a little bit of heresy going on, false teaching going on. They needed to endure it. They needed to maintain their integrity. They needed to stay strong. Now, we understand that part about the strength, but what is this thing about patience coming in here for? Well, he's talking about dealing with difficult people. You ever had to deal with anybody that was a difficult person? How was your patience level? Huh? Most of us don't have a whole lot of patience dealing with difficult people. And the other thing I would say is most of us don't realize sometimes how difficult we can be, right? Yeah. So what Paul is saying is that we need this staying power for endurance as well as patience. Being strong in the times of difficulty sometimes isn't as difficult as being patient with difficult people. You know what I think can help us understand that and grow in that patience? If you think these thoughts when you're dealing with a difficult person, you know, everybody needs the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're just having a bad day. Uh, Or maybe you have to understand that difficult people are usually people who are hurting over something. 
Uh, and maybe you need to remember that oftentimes you might be the person who is the difficult person. And whoever deals with you, you want them to have patience. And now I remind you of this. God has a history of transforming and using for the glory of his kingdom people who have been written off by other people because they were difficult people. So he prays then that if we live a life pleasing and bearing fruit, then we will have that that has strength to endure and patience to deal with difficult people. And then the last thing he says is, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. See, if we give thanks joyfully, uh, we, we do so because in the context in which Paul writes these, and we'll find out in just a few minutes about that when we look at the last couple of verses there, that we don't deserve the inheritance that he said has been reserved for us. We give thanks joyfully when we learn to appreciate the blessings that we take for granted. We give thanks joyfully when we realize how wonderful our Savior is, and that leads us through these last verses. As to why should we give thanks joyfully to the Father? He says, because who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now notice what Jesus did for us that we do not deserve. First of all, Jesus rescued us from darkness. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. That means Satan had blinded our eyes spiritually to our sin, and we were in that kingdom of darkness. Secondly, Jesus removed the penalty for our sins. Paul says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That word redemption simply means to pay the price, to buy back. And we need to be reminded constantly that we owed a debt to God that we could not pay, and Jesus paid it for us with his life. And then thirdly, Jesus released us into the kingdom of light. He brought us into the kingdom of the Son. He loves the kingdom of light. See, the the, the bottom line factor is that everybody in this room today, and everybody in the world literally, is a member, has citizenship in one of two kingdoms, either the kingdom of darkness that's controlled by Satan and his power, or the kingdom of light that's controlled by God. And you make the decision where you're going to stay. God has already done everything for you, for your citizenship to be in the kingdom of light, and to be in the kingdom of God, to be in the kingdom of relationship with Jesus Christ. He's already paid every price that could be paid. He's done everything that could be done for our salvation. All we have to do is make that decision to move our citizenship from one kingdom to the other. Now let's wrap all this up about this prayer. It's a beautiful prayer, wonderful prayer. It's a powerful prayer. Now I want to challenge you with some thoughts about this. I think if we all prayed this prayer for someone daily, I think we could see that life change drastically. I think if we prayed this prayer for our church body, I think we would see a drastic change in the life of our church. And I think if we prayed it for ourselves on a regular basis, that we could be changed into the person that God really wants us to be. Because this is a prayer that can change lives. So here's what I want to ask you to do as we close. Three things. Number one, if you've not yet transferred your citizenship from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, you need to come today by faith in Jesus Christ and make that decision. Number two, I want to ask you to pray this prayer 
Put it into your prayer life, your devotion time, in your prayer triplets, all of the above. And pray for me and pray for our staff. As we serve you week by week, as we seek to vision and ask God what his vision is and where he wants us to go in the direction of the life of this church. Okay? Third thing I'm asking you to do. I want to ask you to ask somebody, maybe your prayer partners, your triplet partners, whatever, to pray this prayer for you. And let's see what God does in the midst of Spring Valley Baptist Church. Father, for the awesome privilege of prayer, we thank you for these prayers of Paul, for these young believers that still speak to us today. We give you thanks. Uh, We ask, Father, that we would have the ability, this, this fortitude of faith, to be a person of prayer and praying diligently Uh, in your name and for the things that you want to see take place for the glory of your name and for your kingdom. And Father, I pray these things today in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died for us for our sins. And I ask, Father, that we would see decisions made for your glory. And we pray it in his name. Amen.